Well, good morning. Lovely to see you all. And uh, if you're visiting, you know, welcome. Wonderful to have those dedications. Wonderful to have those dedications. Listen, why don't we pray? And then we'll get into his word this morning. Oh, come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Be still and know that I am God. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Rising up in us a hunger to see you, Lord. Would you be more real than ever before, Lord? Lord, those areas in our lives that we've cut off from you, Lord, we just give them to you now. Those pains, Lord, that we don't allow you in, we just let you now, Lord. Those hopes and those dreams that We're too scared to give you, Lord. We give them to you now. Holy God, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. Lord, would you put that thirst and that hunger in us to seek you? Because when we draw near to you, you draw near to us, as it says in James. Lord, I pray this morning we will leave here different, changed, renewed, Holy Spirit, would you come and break in? Lord, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for your presence. We're hungry for your kingdom, Lord. How we need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come, we pray. And Lord, anoint me afresh to proclaim and preach your word. We ask in your name. Amen. Wow, isn't the presence of God sweet? in this place. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Well, as Richard said uh, earlier, we, um, at the start of the service, we, we started a new five-week series, um, which is extremely exciting. And uh, I have the honor and the privilege of kicking it off. And uh, the name of this series is Our Values. Actually, it's about our vineyard values. As you know, we're part of the the vineyard movement that we love. You know, there's over 115 churches in the UK. Globally, we are a movement of people, and we love being part of that. And so what we wanted to do over the next five weeks is really talk about what these values are. What these values are. And so what do we mean when we talk about values? I think that's a fair question to start from. Well, you know, it's the things that we hold dear, aren't they? I.e. the things that we put value in. But I think values are more than that. It's the thing that defines us, isn't it? The things that make us distinctive. That's what we talk about when we talk values, the things that make us who we are. You know, we're called to love the body of Christ, aren't we? The whole body. But who knows there's many different flavors in the body of Christ. And we've got a flavor here too. Answers on the back of a postcard in terms of what flavor we are. I vote for salt and vinegar. Big fan of salt and vinegar. Any cheese and onion people here? A few, yeah. Nah, salt and vinegar is the way to go. <laughs> but there's many flavors, right? And the thing about values, the thing is about values, is that it sets and establishes how we view and carry out our mission. How we view and carry out our mission. You know, some of us have been here for many, many years and no doubt know the values, and so I'm sure we'll appreciate the refresher. But some of us are new. You know, we're so blessed to have new people every week. Welcome. It's lovely to have you here. And so you may not have heard about some of these values. And, you know, equally, 
as you know, we're in a year of new beginnings. You know, Chris declared that and proclaimed that at the start of this year. A year where Chris and Fliss are moving on, as you know, in September. And as a leadership team, you know, we recognize that, that fear and anxiety can set in. The fear that who we are, the flavor of us, what we do, you know, will change with a new leader. That whoever he or she, she may be will come in and, and take it in a direction which isn't us. And that's fair. But here's the thing I want us to remember. The values, the things that define us, the, the things that make us distinctive and make us who, are, who we are, they do not change with a new leader. Yes, the new leader will, will, will employ different tactics, new strategies, new personalities, but the things that make us vineyard, the things that make us who we are won't change. And you know, the truth is, our path will evolve and change, but it would have done so even if Chris and Fliss stayed on into next year and the next year. Why? Because healthy things grow. You've heard us talk about that so many times. Change, you see, should never, never be a scary word for us as a vineyard people. In fact, the opposite. You know, guys, we've always been a journey in people, haven't we? We've always been a journey in people who thrive on change and challenge. It's in our DNA. You know, if we didn't, then we'd still be in Chris and Fliss's lounge room 30 years ago. <laughs> Bit of, of a squeeze. <laughs> but the final phase, the reason it's called phase on that is because we are a body of believers that move in different phases and different seasons and different chapters, and we will continue to do so. But the distinctives about who we are will never change. And so that's why, as a, as a team, we want to preach on that over the next few weeks. And so Wendy Housen is speaking on the Holy Spirit next week. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, Richard is going to be speaking on the poor on the third week. Denise on every member ministry, which is going to be exciting. And then Wendy is going to come again and, and round it up with uh, worship. What an exciting five weeks. So you're probably wondering, okay, Mark, what are you speaking on? Fair question. Any ideas what the first value I'm going to preach on this morning? Anyone want to guess? <coughs> Kingdom, who said that? Bless you. Absolutely right. Kingdom. Kingdom. The kingdom value. <coughs> Excuse me. So what we're going to do is turn to Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15. And this is going to become, if you like, our anchor text by which we're going to unpack together and look at the value of kingdom. Uh, it will be on the screen as well. Excuse me. Chapter 1, Mark, Matthew, Mark. Are you there? you've got your Bibles, wonderful. Let's read this together. Verse 14. After John, that's John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Wow, that is exciting stuff. Well, first, let us all make sure we're on the same page. And let's first define what we mean when we talk about kingdom and what Jesus means with here when he talks about kingdom. What do you think when you think about the word kingdom? Maybe you think of, you know, kingdoms and empires of old, you know, where the king would have power over everything he saw. Maybe you think of, what, you know, the United Kingdom with our Queen and her royal prerogative, you know, the, the powers that she has. 
And so what is true is that in all kingdoms, there is a monarch who has authority over their subjects. And so the way we look at kingdom is a place where a king has rule and reign. King or queen has rule and reign. And so what Jesus is talking about here, whose kingdom God's, is that it's a place where God rules and reigns. That is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about God's kingdom. It's a place where God rules and reigns. So you could ask the logical question, which is, so where is this kingdom? Where is that place? It's a fair question. You know, when Jesus was speaking about the kingdom of God, he wasn't talking about, you know, a, a kingdom that's limited by geography. He wasn't talking about a kingdom that was limited by borders or landmass. He was talking about a kingdom altogether more wonderful, more amazing, more powerful than that. A kingdom of both the visible and the invisible, of heaven and earth. That is the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. Oh, what a kingdom. Now to the Jews, you know, they, this notion of the kingdom of God was not new to them. You know, it was a theological reality that God was going to establish his kingdom. But you see, the thing is, they were looking for a physical kingdom. They were looking for the reestablishment of Israel. They were looking for a Messiah to come and boot out the Romans and to sit on the throne. And that's why they missed Jesus. Because this Messiah was altogether completely different than they were expecting. We had a Messiah here declaring a kingdom of the invisible and visible. Well, hold on a minute. How are you going to deal with the Romans? And that's why they miss Jesus. What does Paul say? He said that the gospel is foolishness to the Gentiles, to the Greeks, but a stumbling block to the Jews. It was a stumbling block, this notion of a kingdom. They were focused on the reestablishment of Israel. That is the kingdom that Jesus was talking about, of the invisible and visible. And then what does Jesus say as we read here? It says, the kingdom of God has come near. What, this kingdom of God has come near now? <laughs> that finally the waiting is over? That the time had come for God's kingdom, his rule and his reign to start breaking into this fallen, sinful world? Wow, that is some strong message. Doesn't it get you fired up and hungry? Let's turn together. I want to turn to Luke chapter 4. Verses 17 and 20. <clears throat> and this is where we see that, that Jesus is, is quoting from Isaiah 61 in the synagogue. Matthew, Mark, Luke. What did I say? Chapter 4, verses 17 to 20. Let's read this together. It'll be on the screen. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, to Jesus. And rolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh. You see, Jesus was declaring himself to be the anointed king that they had waited for. 
Jesus was saying, I am the king. And you see, Jesus, would, as we know, would proclaim in word and deed that God's kingdom was truly amongst them. He demonstrated that kingdom, didn't he? Through signs and wonders and the transformation of everyone he touched. You see, that's what God's kingdom looks like. When God's kingdom breaks in, what happens? Sickness flees. Brokenness is mended. When God's kingdom breaks through, peace is poured out. Mercy is available to all. Grace is poured out. There is unity. Demons flee. The lame walk. The light. The blind can see. That is a place of God's rule and reign. And Jesus was declaring that the time had come. His kingdom is near. And it was breaking in. And it is breaking in now. Oh Lord, more of your kingdom in this place. If that is what God's kingdom is like, I want it more, don't you? Oh Lord, would your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the invisible and the visible. Would you establish your kingdom in this place, Lord, we pray. And yet, here's the thing. When Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he seemed to speak about it, didn't he, in two different ways. The kingdom of God seemed to be both now and not yet. In other words, the kingdom was invading earth in that moment through his ministry in the present. But then he would speak about the future kingdom to come, that everything would change. And God's kingdom would be fully established when he finally banishes Satan. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and indeed there will be a new Jerusalem. It will come. Revelations 21, read it. A new heaven and a new earth where God will reign. But until that time, it's breaking in. And so the vineyard calls this the now and not yet of the kingdom. By the way, this is not some kind of idea that's specific to the vineyard. You know, there was um, a scholar, a theologian called George Eldon Ladd, who wrote The Theology of the New Testament in 1970s. I've got this book. It's a great book. And this is where, where Wimber, you know, the founder of the vineyard in the 19, early 1980s, late 70s, have read this and was really um, struck, had an aha moment in terms of the kingdom theology. And there are many parts of the body of Christ that hold this kingdom theology of the now and not yet, but this is a real distinctive of the vineyard globally. You know, it's going to be consummated, this kingdom, when Jesus comes again, but it has been inaugurated when Jesus came down first. It's a bit like, let me explain it this way, a bit like D-Day and V-Day in World War II. When D-Day happened, the Normandy landings, was it 1944, that was really when the war was won. There was no going back. But it wasn't consummated until V-Day, when it finally happened. And that is what it is like, you see. Jesus came down and on the cross he said, it is finished. My work here is done. Everything that we need, everything that you need has been accomplished on the cross. And now we are waiting for Jesus' second coming when he consummates it and God's kingdom will be established here on earth. And we, you see, live in this tension of the here and the not yet. You know, I was, um, I was born into a house church, which, you know, in the 70s, a big house church movement. And then I grew up in a Baptist church, love the Baptists, met a fellow Baptist there earlier. <laughs> and then I became a worship leader at Healing Deliverance Ministry, which was fantastic. And then also I was part of a charismatic C of E church in in North Finchley, St. Barnabas, I know we have some ex-St. Bede's people here as well. Part of the New Wine Network, love them. 
And then Steph and I got married in 2004. We moved to Australia and became part of an Australian Pentecostal church. I love the Pentecostals. And so I've experienced all different flavors. I am a mix. Salt, vinegar, cheese, and onion, prawn cocktail, all of them. <laughs> and so in 2004, Steph and I got back here to the UK with our two young daughters at the time. They were born in Australia, and our little boy was born here now, four and a half. And then we came here. And you know what? It was like we came home. And we say, don't we, welcome home. It, it was as if all the, all the great, the best bits of all that journey in had brought us here and came together at the vineyard. And specifically, it was the value of the kingdom theology that was an aha moment. Just like Wimber had that aha moment. Ah, that's it. That's the answer to the here and not yet. You see, I, like many of you, have seen amazing miracles deliverances and supernatural occurrences, and you cannot deny that God's kingdom is breaking in. I, you know, I remember a sweet time in a healing conference. I was leading worship, and all of a sudden, the presence of God was so thick that people started being delivered in their seats, manifesting and demons coming out. Lady dro- I'm sorry, a man dropped his crutches. He didn't need them anymore. And we were singing, oh, the blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus. You know that song? What a beautiful song. You know, I myself, you know, I remember a few years back, in fact, Ellie Mumford came and spoke at the 25th um, anniversary of this church. It was an evening, and I was at the end of the service. The presence of God was so thick that I fell down over there, and I felt the Lord's presence so powerfully. And I've seen you guys being prayed for a minute or two. And seeing the kingdom of God break through. We have, you know, testimonies every week of healings. God's kingdom is here. And yet, here's the thing. Here's the tension. You look around and you think, why is it though that that person hasn't been healed? You think that? Why is it they've been seeking healing forever and they haven't got it? And this person just got prayed. Bang, they're instantly healed. And you know, each, each denomination or flavor in the church would deal with this tension in different ways. You know, historically, the Pentecostal movement, his view, theological view is that the kingdom is fully available now, and that the only thing limiting it is our faith. And I say historically because there are parts of the Pentecostal movement that don't ascribe necessarily to that specifically, and by the way, I love the Pentecostal movement. But the, the thing with that thinking is, is that this is what happens. Two things. Number one, the person being prayed for walks away unhealed and says, oh, it's my fault. I haven't got enough faith. I must be doing something wrong. And so they're like, well, I've got to try and please God and get more faith. And the second thing is the person praying for them says, well, oh, hold on a minute. I haven't got enough faith. What's the point of me praying? So they stop praying. And that gives rise to the holy men and women of God who have got the faith. Well, you go and pray. The pastor will pray. They've got the faith. I haven't. Don't get me wrong, you know, there is an anointing on specific people for healing all that stuff. I'm not saying there aren't these men and women, but what I'm saying is, is we're all called to pray. Jesus said you just need the faith of a mustard seed. That's not very big. And I tell you something personally, I prayed for people with hardly any faith and I've seen them healed. I prayed for someone's back a while ago, I was like, you know, tired and didn't have much faith. He's like, oh, oh, my back's perfect. Spoke to him a few weeks later, how's your back? Still great. I prayed for people with so much faith. And then I'm like, how'd it go? No, nothing. It happens. Now on the other end of the scale, well, the body of the, of the church, how do they deal with this tension? Well, they say, well, healings and miracles don't happen now today. 
But then the problem they've got is how to explain all the peoples and the, and the drop crutches and people's backs being healed and the rest of the deliverance and all that stuff. And in its extreme case, they're called, you know, they, they don't believe that gifts of the Spirit are for now. They're called cessationists. You know, there's a big part of the evangelical church that believes that. But as vineyard people, we embrace this tension. We embrace it. We are the radical middle, as it's been coined. Empowered evangelicals, as it's been known. Because if we live on either side of this spectrum, we're not going to do a thing. If we think it's all down to us and our faith, we're not going to pray. If we think it doesn't happen, we're not going to pray. But if you embrace the middle and say, it's down to my obedience, you will pray. God has called each one of us to walk in his kingdom. It's for all of us. You know, Jesus commissioned his disciples to do the same thing he was doing. You know, they were going to proclaim, preach, and demonstrate God's kingdom, God's rule and reign, and they did that. And it was the Holy Spirit through them who worked through them. And Wendy's going to look at the Holy Spirit next week, as I said. But you see, the, the, Jesus never meant for the miracles to end with him. It continues today, right here, right now. God's kingdom is breaking in, right here, right now, in this place. Healing is available. Deliverance is available. You know, we are called to, to bring in his kingdom by walking in obedience and having faith that his kingdom is here. I'd like you to stand, actually. And I'd like to invite the band up. God's kingdom is here. And what, was, what did Jesus say at the end of this? He said, repent and believe. Repent and believe. You know, I was struck and I was reminded of 1 John 1.8. John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. He was talking to Christians. He was talking to Christians. I don't say that so that we get into condemnation. I say that because there is a place of humility where God pours his spirit out. When we recognize who we are and that we need him. And we recognize that Jesus died for our sins. So that we can walk in everything that he has for us. And I know personally for me, as I was preparing this word, I had to repent on my knees for lacking faith that God's kingdom was available now. I had to repent on my knees for not being obedient and walking all that God has for me. Because I discovered that I'd become lukewarm. I had discovered that I had stopped praying for the sick, for people. I had to repent because my expectation level had dropped to the floor as if I was on this end of the scale and thought nothing ever happened. Let me just tell you guys, God has got so much for you. His kingdom is available to you. Your job, to walk in it in obedience. Holy Spirit, would you just come in this place? Continue to fill your people. Holy Spirit, would you come now? I want to give us an opportunity to respond to this word. And I think part of what God is doing in us is... is Increasing our hunger. The limitation is not God's resources. It's on our hunger and thirst for him. And for some of you, bless you, you've become stale. You have become lukewarm. And God is wanting to fire you up. He's going to pour out on you in this new season a hunger for him a hunger to walk in the miraculous a hunger to see signs and wonders and for some of you you know what you've said to yourself that was me once upon a time but not anymore I break the power of those words over you in Jesus name it's for you now
I have faith that there's new ministries that God wants to birth in you right now this morning. Yes, new ministries. And God is just waiting for you to walk in obedience and he shall supply every need. That his kingdom will break through in all that you do. That every step that you make, you extend the kingdom by your presence. Come, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Let's just wait on the Lord. We've got plenty of time. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, I just feel led to lead us in a prayer of repentance. You know, every single great awakening and revival is marked by repentance. Do you know that? And holiness. A recognition of who God is, His awesomeness, His mightiness. And God is calling us to walk in obedience and humility to Him. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to repent myself. And if you feel so led, you can pray as I pray. And if, you, if, you, if that's you, you say, Lord, forgive me that I haven't been walking all that you have for me. Forgive me, Lord, where I haven't been seeking your kingdom. <clears throat> Why don't you just put your hand on your heart as just a symbolic act to God to say, that's me. Don't, don't, care, don't worry about who people are around you, whether they see where your hand goes or not. This is about you and about God. If you need to say, sorry, Lord, I need more. Sorry, Lord, where I've become lukewarm and stale. You, you put your hand on your heart as I pray and you can pray along. Lord God, I repent and ask for your forgiveness where I have become lukewarm. Lord, where I haven't, when I prayed, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's in heaven. I clearly didn't mean it, Lord. Because if I did, Lord, I would have walked in it and I repent and ask for your forgiveness. Lord, if I said I had the love of the Father in me for others and sickness and yet I didn't pray, forgive me, I repent, Lord. Because I clearly didn't mean it. Lord, if I say I'm hungry for you, and yet I'm more satisfied with what the world has to offer than you, then I th- forgive me, Lord, I repent. Lord, help us to believe. The spirit of unbelief I bind in Jesus' name. Well, that's operating, I bind it in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord. And Lord, now upon people's confession, I just pray you would pour your spirit upon them, Lord. Come, Lord, come, Lord. Come, Lord, come, Lord. If you want to receive more of Lord, hold out your hand as if you're going to receive a gift because God wants to deposit a gift in you this morning. Come, Lord, come, Lord. Holy Spirit, pour out your gifts upon your people now that they would walk in your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If that's you, hold out your hand as if you're receiving a gift. Come, Lord, deposit your gifts in your people right now. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I see old clothes being shed off you. Old thought patterns being erased. I see unbelief falling away in the presence of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, minister to your people. And for some of you, God is saying, I'm giving you this gift and I want you to pass it on. Well, what I want us to do now is I want us to start praying for those people in your world that need God's kingdom to break in. Let's go for it. The band can play louder if they need to.
But right now, you just pray that the kingdom would reach into those places in your families or your friends that need a touch of God, that his rule and reign needs in their life. Let's pray now. Thank you, Lord. I just pray right now, God, that you're... It might be for someone's healing. It might be for restoration of relationships. It might be for financial provision. Whatever it might be, you pray right now that the, God, the Lord's kingdom would break into their lives. Listen, you're an ambassador of Christ. That you have authority in the name of Jesus. Exercise it. Let us all exercise it.